are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. Uh, we're going to get started by talking a bit about the win over the Jets, but we've got player guests joining you. DJ Dallas is going to join us in 15 minutes. You're going to hear from Tanner Muse, who's going to see a lot more playing time at linebacker now without Jordan Brooks. You're going to hear from Gino to wrap up the hour, and then some of your favorite Seahawks voices, including the voice of the Seahawks, <coughs> Steve Rabel, join us in hour two. Let's get started. Looking back at the win over the Jets, Wyman, I'll start with you, Ken Walker. Over 100 yards in this one, second game in a row with over 100 yards. He is fewer than 100 yards away from 1,000 on the season. This time, though, it actually felt like a really good run game. Like It's like against the Chiefs, he had over 100, but it didn't necessarily feel like that. This one felt pretty dominant. Well, and also, I thought in the second half of Kansas City, we keep going back to that. Yeah. That was very cool to watch them fix the running game. But then I think that's the point where Kenneth Walker is like, he gets your blessing, right? Okay, you're an NFL running back now. Yeah. Because his, I've been saying this about Iguabuque, about how he has great vision and conviction. Like, he sees it and he hits it. That's what, that's what Kenneth is doing now. And so, is it Ken? I go does Ken. He, yeah, does he I prefer to be called Ken. Ken? Ken? Yeah, so he has, <laughs> Ken Walker has been, I, I think, He's been ordained as an NFL player. How about that? I mean, I, I think the, the way he's running the ball right now just proves that this guy is legit. He is very, it's not a fluke. It's not a hundred and what did he have? Like 167 against the Chargers or mm -hmm. something like that. This guy is for real. And like I said, he's, he's seeing things. And so, like, you know, if. If the linebackers are going sideways and the D-line are kind of going sideways, you hit it. If they're coming downhill, you bounce it back. Like he takes a picture in his brain. He sees those things and then he hits it. So that's what I loved about that. That's what I saw. Well, and weren't we just saying, Bump, how important it was for, we said this during the last huddle, the, the three of us, that if this offense was going to get going, the one thing we needed to see was was the run game takeoff, right? That that had been the uh, kind of pattern and the issue for about six weeks. And that if you're going to say, hey, Gino's going to get them to the playoffs, well, Gino's going to need a run game to be at his best, just like many passers do. Finally, you've been able to see imp improvement from the offense. 23 points against the Jets is solid. Yeah, you needed a, a run game and a run threat, you know, and that's exactly what Ken Walker provided was a threat for that run. We saw something last week that we haven't seen in a long time, which is like a playoff boot, getting out the pocket and throwing it to Noah Fenton, I believe, for a gain of 27. And why did that happen? Because the run game was a threat. They're like, okay, backers, we really have to bite down and respect this run. And now you're able to slip the tight ends behind them. Last week was the best performance from the tight ends, from the tight ends that we've seen in a while. Um, but they had 11, 9 to 11 targets last uh, last week. It's been a while. And why? Because the running game got going. So, mm -hmm. like I say, I'm a receiver. But I love me some run game because it helps out the pass game. Um, the, uh, the defense didn't allow a single touchdown from the Jets, which is good. What do we take from the game knowing that the Jets' offense was pretty abysmal and has been pretty bad? Uh, well, I think you did what, to the offense what you should do. Um, yeah. And, and here's the thing. I mean, people have a tendency to go, well, it was just the Jets. Right. They're, this is like the 92 Seahawks. I mean, offense was just abysmal. I mean, they were the fifth worst in NFL history. And our defense was top 10. We were really, really good. That's what they have. They have a really, I mean, the fact that they were able to run mm -hmm. against them, you know, Tyler Mabry caught a touchdown pass. I mean, you, you pretty much took it to their defense, and that's really what I think you concentrate on. Um, and then, you know, defensively against their just train wreck of an offense, you did exactly what you should do. You held them to two field goals. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I don't see anything wrong with um, the, the outcome of that game. I think it's a great indication that, you know, they are uh, kind of on the repair because, look, the trend and the Gino, Gino did not throw a, an interception. Yeah, it was their first turnover-less game. Is that a (laughs) turnover-less first turnover-less game of the season? Yeah. So I mean, uh, I I thought everything you know was handled pretty. I felt pretty good about the the result of that game. Yeah, it was the Jets, but you know, again, their defense was so good. Mm -hmm. And also, it's really really hard to get the numbers that they have defense when your offense sucks. Okay, trust me. And so (laughs) I would imagine you're on the field a ton, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where uh, where it's at. And uh, I think I I felt good about that game. And if they're able to go out and get a win over the Rams in any way possible, just because it's a division rival and, you know, Bobby apparently is fired up. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit. Uh, And, you know, look, that's uh, that's just that's just how it goes in a division rivalry, but I, I feel really good about the direction right now. Did we learn anything about this, this team last week? Anything we didn't know before? I feel like I don't know that we learned anything so much as they did what they needed to do. You had two things you need to do win these two games. You're halfway there. No, I think that is what we learned that they can complete the assignment. Now we knew going to this game, it wasn't going to be easy, right? This, the Jets are one of the best defenses in the league, number three at the time. But the main thing was let's not have Michael White look like a pro bowler, which this team has allowed at times that average guys look like they are above average or better than what they, they typically are. And the defense did exactly that. I think offensively I wasn't worried. Uh, not say I wasn't worried. I thought they could still accomplish all the things they needed to do to win against a very good defense. The question has typically been – the defense so defense they were supposed to do you saw three different running backs for the Jets you pretty much shut them down Garrett Wilson didn't do anything uh Sean I'm assuming Mike White didn't do anything you didn't allow a touchdown good day for the defense you know what's funny you guys is the other half of you know what they need to do is to beat the Rams and then they need the Lions to beat the Packers because the Packers are winning you're in and we know that that's we can't control it so we're not going to talk about it much today um but what the Seahawks can't control is a win over the Rams the Rams just got their 11th loss of the season, making them the worst post-Super Bowl win team. Mm. Um, they, they've they really struggled. They've, they've had some individual good performances, but I don't think anyone would look at their season and say it was a success. And yet, given the history between these two teams and Sean McVay's history against Pete Carroll, I'm weirdly nervous. Maybe it's just the stakes, Wyman, but like I'm, I'm looking at this game. I have no reason to think the Seahawks can't win, and I'm nervous. Well, I think also other people, because I've been in this situation uh, more than I wanted to in my career, uh, I think people underestimate the spoiler effect. And yes. getting to be that team, I loved it. And, you know, it's <laughs> not like I didn't have any motivation. Also, you know, they're a good team. They're going to the playoffs, mm-hmm. potentially. And you can go out and have a really good game against them. All you care about at that point is, especially if you're on a team that's in 92, I mean, like at the end of the season, everybody was like, I'm playing for myself because this team's abysmal and lots of teams are mm-hmm. out there that want good players. So there, there's that. And then, like you said, in, within the division, there's the familiarity. And that's that's that just happens. That happens in every division. You look at other teams that have hard times with crappy teams in their division because they see them twice. They figure it out. Coaches are smart in the NFL, you know, and Sean McVay is maybe one of the smartest. They figure things out. They'll, they'll figure out what, 
we're doing and try to, you know, try to mess with it. So, yeah, they're coming in here to win the game. I don't think there there's necessarily any extra motivation needed, but it's always good when you have it. I mean, we're all fired up about the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell and how he's going to get his team fired right. up to, to beat Green Bay. I just think every 31 other teams would do the same thing. I mean, it's just that's just how it is. I I don't know. It was K, I love KJ and everything, but he was talking about how people shutting it down and everything. And I'm like, man, that, that certainly wasn't my experience. And I'm not saying KJ didn't see that, but it certainly wasn't my experience. I, I feel like no matter what, you're going to get. So that's good news, bad news. Yeah. I mean, the good news is you, you hope that Detroit is able to go in there. But the bad news is, is that the Rams are going to show up ready to play. Bump, what do you think? Agree? Yeah, I agree. These are professionals. These are guys who love to play the game, who prepare. You understand, too, and I, I said this yesterday, Dave, like football is a sport. You can't fake it. You can't mail it in. Exactly. Like dudes get hurt and you get exposed and you put your future on the line. Other sports, man, basketball, I can stand in the corner, wait for my shot, not play defense. Football, man, there's no faking this. They'll snatch your you-know-what off the field real quick and replace you with a younger or more eager player. So they'll be ready to go. Well, You know what proves that more than anything? The Pro Bowl. Watch like, the Pro Bowl. Right. You uh, cannot yeah. play football half-ass. You just can't. Yeah, yeah. You'll get hurt. It's a horrible product. Everybody will see it. Yep. It'll be obvious. I mean, look, the All-Star game for baseball is probably the most authentic because there's no big risk of getting injured. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, NBA. But, I mean, look at the scores of the NBA All-Star game. I mean, it's a sham. Yeah. The Pro Bowl is ridiculous. You yeah. just cannot play pro football half speed well that's why i like that they've turned it into flag football i hope they mic players up and just make it fun in the pro entire pro bowl week all we really want to see is the skills challenges like how far can patrick mahomes throw a ball I like, love stuff, <laughs> you man. know what i mean like i'll tune in and watch remember, the accuracy challenges remember how good russ was yes, at that he was yeah. so good he had people in the crowd like whoa like this is pretty impressive yeah. i i tune in for that stuff it should be Me just too. a week of that just I like see the look at press these, too. that's what i'm saying like look at yeah, these incredible athletes go. if it was like damian lewis we don't know that you're a pro bowler, but we just want to see you bench 600 pounds. Yeah. Like, just to do that as, like, just something we can watch. Remember it's when you said something about him squatting 600, and he goes, actually, 750. It's, it's seven. Yeah, <laughs> he corrected me. I no, like, I would no. love that, too. And what, what about the race where, who's the linebacker from Dallas? Michael Parsons. Oh, Micah Parsons. Parsons beats uh, Tyreek yes. Hill. I mean, that, I know. that so kind fun. of stuff is great, but you just can't play football anymore. It's, it's terrible. I know. Well, we have a lot of real football to talk about today. <laughs> Two hours of the huddle. We're actually going to flip things today, go and play your guests first, and then you'll hear from some of your favorite Seahawks voices in hour two. DJ Dallas is going to join us to tell us what he sees from the Rams in week 18. That's next. Backs on either side of Geno, Belor being one. Dallas being the other, Gino from the shotgun. Here comes the rush. They're coming hard. Gino strides forward. A shovel pass to Dallas. Down to the 35 to 30, the 20, the 15, 10. Tripped up and dropped at the six-yard line by the Jets. What a heads-up play by Gino Smith. And an equally heads-up play by Dallas, who was there ready for the hand to make that the shovel pass. I love nothing more than plays that catch me by surprise, and that one absolutely did, you guys. DJ Dallas is going to join us in just one minute as Seahawks practice is wrapping up. And, Dave, I loved that play, a little shuttle pass from Gino. And, in Bump, I know you've talked about this, too. Like, when he's out there, DJ Dallas is great. You know what I mean? Like, he's just a really physical guy. 
I love this kid, man. He's he's a great interview. We'll we'll have fun talking to him. But what do you didn't he have like ninety eight yards? I think I know they had nearly two hundred as a team, like fifty five and forty three. Yeah. So Gosh. I mean, he just all of a sudden. Uh, I just he's such a great player to have on mm-hmm. your team. I sometimes I'll compare him to kind of like the utility guys for the Mariners. You know, like a Dylan Moore kind Dylan of guy Moore, where it's like, yeah, randomly you'll have like how Dylan Moore had the grand slam against the Astros. Right. Randomly, you'll be like, oh, that game winning home run or that game winning touchdown. Oh, that was DJ Dallas. Like yeah. he's just in in a great team guy. Averages 6.1 yards in this game uh, per carry. And yeah, just a heads up play right there. So 55 yards receiving a 41 yard long. Yeah. Awesome. Question for you guys. I'll ask the same of DJ if we have time. You know how you'll have like when it rains, it pours for uh, interceptions. Like you'll hear DBs say that all the time. Mm. Is there something like that for running backs? Why do I feel like when run one running back is taking off and having a great game, it's easier for the other guy to do the same. Like sometimes you just have those days where both guys get like 70 plus, you know, is that a thing? Is it there just like a good day for it the might be a that thing. works you for should, everyone? You should look up some numbers and check that out. It might be a thing. Um, if if it is a thing, I would say competitive nature. Like, all right, you're, you're getting yours. I'm going to get mine yeah. too. Um, there is a concept that's working at the time, whether it be a zone, a gap scheme, or something like that. Or uh, it could just be the football guys have everything aligned, and those guys are just getting it done. Well, the Seahawks have been on the bad end of that, right? Against the Carolina Panthers, they allowed 70-plus yeah. from Donta Foreman, and I yeah. forget their other guy. And then in this one, like you said, Dave, you had you had DJ Dallas take off for a ton, Ken Walker take off for a ton. It was just so nice. It's not just nice for Seattle to see Ken Walker get going. It's good to see the run game get going, right? Because that's when you know it's working. It's not just one guy. It's you as a team executing. Well, and also you know that when you're playing good defense, you are not giving the ball away and you're running the ball that Pete Carroll is really happy. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, and given the giveaways, I think we talked about this during the huddle last week. But if you go and look at the teams that are top every year of giveaways, not just turnover ratio, not a takeaways, look at the giveaways. And I know that New England, during that time, they were winning Super Bowls. They were number one for like five years in a row. Just protect the football. And, you know, and that was kind of a trend. I mean, shoot, you look at what Gino has been doing. I said this last week. He had as many interceptions as Tom Brady. So it wasn't anything unacceptable at all. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have more interceptions than he does. But he had a five-game streak where he was give. what did he give up, six? Five, I think. And then he had a 10-game you know, when he started the season, he only gave up four. So it yeah. was a bad trend that was reversed right there. So that I thought that was a, a really good thing. But you're right. The run game. Well, I see linebackers attacking the line of scrimmage. You look in the Carolina game, there were double teams and the running back gets the ball and they're not attacking the double teams. I don't know why. And I think they were confused. But the last couple of games, especially in the second half, they only gave up 21 yards to Kansas City in the second half. That's insane. And Considering Kansas City's offense this year, too. Especially. Well, I'm, I'm talking about running. I should oh, say running. Yeah. Running the ball. But still, you know, yeah. I mean, look, they gave up a couple of explosives to Kelsey. But yeah. as far as the run game goes, they were stopping that. And then, you know, we saw them contain that last week as well. Only 75 yards rushing. Are the Ram- the Rams allowed, I want to say like 120-something, 130-something to Austin Eckler last week, two touchdowns. Yeah. I haven't paid close attention to their defense outside of the one or two weeks on either side of when Seattle's playing them. Have they struggled against the run? 
I think that's one of their uh, that's one of their uh, bugaboos on defense that mm-hmm. they're they're not great against the run. But you know they're not a bad defense. I mean DJ Dallas will tell us that. Well, of course DJ probably say yeah every week you're facing somebody that that's really good. But as far as their run defense, yeah. What do you see DJ from the Rams? Out of the, the Rams, Rams run, run defense. defense, they're not bad. Uh, yeah, they're not bad. I mean it's the league. Everybody's getting paid to you know play so. I think every defense is good. Yeah. Um, DJ DJ Dallas joining us right now. You just had a great game. In fact, you had one of my favorite plays, that little shuttle pass from Gino. Can you walk me through, like, this was obviously, like, something that you knew was possible. What, was it like a heads-up play? It looked like a surprise play to me. It was really cool. Uh, yeah, I. so the play was called. Um, Gino snaps the ball. I leak out, and I think Gino's going to run the ball. I'm prepared to go block, and then he just flips it to me. I don't know. I just kind of tried to run like I had a dog chasing me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I saw you run, and I said to myself, I go, man, that's the fastest. I didn't see DJ get up out of there, man. It was uh, was a nice little burst. Knees are up. You look good, man. But the thing that impressed me about you the most is that you do everything, man. Want to catch the rock? Cool. Run it? Cool. Go down and tackle? Cool. Pump return? Cool. Did they talk to you about your role on this team specifically, or have you just kind of found a way to contribute in as many places as you can? Uh, I think I think it's just, you know, the coaches trusted me with, with a lot of different roles, and um, I just come every day to work and just try to perfect each one of my, my roles, you know, and um I'm I'm just doing it so we can win, man. That's that's all I care about. I just care about winning. And um shoot, like I say always, if I gotta fill up water bottles, I'll go do it <laughs> as long as we win. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we were just talking about how much all the fans love you because you, you just do everything, man. But what are some of the conversations that you have with um, with Pete Carroll uh, when when he talks to you about what you mean to this team? Uh. I think Pete sees me as like a, an, an energy guy, and Pete's big into energy, and I'm big in, in it, into energy. But uh, I don't know, man. We we haven't really had those talks. I just know uh, I appreciate him for for this opportunity, and um, he's probably one of the, if not the greatest coach I ever played for. Wow. Yeah. DJ, you're better than me. I would have been like, he's personally told me I am the best running back he's ever seen. <laughs> you would have like, made up a story. Yeah, I would have been like the other day, actually, he pulled me aside. He said he wanted me to just kind of teach guys, just kind of teach them how to how to be a baller. Can I ask you a Kraken question? What's up? Are you, you are a Kraken. Are you a Kraken super fan or you just love being around hockey? Uh, super fan? Yeah, I'm probably like leaning towards like a... Super fans, not like slash. president of the fan club, but you're inching yeah, yeah. towards. Uh, I'll be like the treasure. Okay, <laughs> I'm like down the totem. Part of it, like you're willing to recognize, like I've got some work, yeah, that I need to do, but like sure. I'll be part of it. For Have you gotten to any games this year? I think we've been to four games this year. Nice. Yeah. You like this season so far? Of course, it's right? better, way better than last season. Yeah. Jeez. Hey, DJ, you have something to play for. Last week, or last year you guys didn't at the end of the year, but there's been a lot of talk about like the motivation of players going into games that don't necessarily mean anything. And I just remember thinking about 
I'm going to show everybody how good I am. It's another opportunity to make plays. But there are people that say, oh, these guys are going to shut it down. I just don't think that exists in most NFL players that even though it's a meaningless game, you've got something to prove to not only your team, but the rest of the league. And then being a spoiler too, like knocking somebody out of the playoffs, like the Rams could possibly do to you guys, like Detroit could be Green Bay. That was very meaningful to me. Am I, am I too old? Oh, no, you're right in the right ballpark. For us, I feel like it's more so, uh, like you said, we have something to play for this season. Right. And um, it's just not a, it's, it's about not letting the Rams spoil what we want to do, you know, and um, that's finishing in Arizona. Like that's that's the ultimate goal. Like right now, that is mm. where, what we want to do. And uh, yeah, man, we don't we don't take any game too lightly, but we also don't put any game on a pedestal above another game. Okay. So just like Sunday will be the same for me as the Super Bowl. I'll play it the same way, get dressed the same way, and approach it the same way. You went to a uh, University of Miami as a receiver initially, right? And you made the transition to a running back. I was a quarterback in high school, made transition to a receiver. What was that like? Was there a conversation that the coaches had? Or did you see an opportunity and say, you know what, I think I'd be better fit as a running back? How did that happen? You were a quarterback? Yeah. I was a quarterback in high school. And then came in as a receiver? I came in as an athlete. As an athlete, I okay. I didn't have a position. All right. So I played everything. I played, like, receiver and DB my first two years uh, in high school. And then I played quarterback my last two years. So I really didn't have a position. So I was, I was just... I just told people, like, they're like, oh, yeah, what position you play? Offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have uh, numbers that we can compare as quarterbacks? I, you know, I do a little sum. Some had what? I didn't. I what was your more. best game? Completion percentage, you know. Oh, we, you know, I didn't keep track interceptions. of Interceptions. Well, how about, about touchdowns? Winning, baby. Touchdowns in a game? <laughs> I think I threw for, like, 15 touchdowns and, and ran for, like, 10. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. But how many picks, though? Uh, I don't remember my picks. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, threw, I threw one one pick, not counting the one I threw this year. That's the second pick <laughs> I, I've ever thrown. But uh, I threw one pick in the state quarterfinals, and then I hit the dude and made him fumble. Oh, uh, nice. That's actually really so fun. You I'm made glad up we end on it. that. Yeah, I'm definitely glad we threw more than one pick. I definitely threw more than one pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool way to yeah. end it, though. All right, <laughs> DJ, thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate it. He is DJ Dallas, Seahawks running back, treasure of the Seattle Kraken <laughs> fan club. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to hear from linebacker Tanner Muse next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. And joining us right now, linebacker Tanner Muse. Tanner, we are going to see you a lot more on Sunday against the Rams. Are you excited? Very excited. Uh, ready for this opportunity. I was ready when I first got drafted by the Raiders. And taking me a little while to get my first start, but I'm here now, so ready to go. So are you going to play? I mean, you, you run a 4-4-1. 40. Amazing. We are just talking about you know, now that like that would that was like a DB. That would have been one of the fastest forties at the combine. So, but you got you got lots of speed. Were you a track guy, a basketball guy in high school? I played basketball and baseball. Um, my baseball coach in high school said no track because he didn't want me to miss any practices for the three meets during the year. Gotcha. Now, I mean, that was a problem then. I mean, it's it is what it is. But just imagine like what could have been. 
So me and him still got beef to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Guy could have been a superstar. Yeah. Tanner, my first time meeting you, I'm a little disappointed, man. I heard you had cornrows. I was like, let's see what he's working with. Who twisted him up real quick? So to see the hair out, you know what I mean? I used to, back in my day when I had hair, I had cornrows. When you put the helmet on for the first time with the rolls on, did it hurt? Uh, no, so I had to get the separate helmet. I tried to put like a ski mask on with the Kansas City uh-huh. with my uh, like scanned helmet. I mean, it was tighter than, you know what, I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, had the other helmet and then put a little uh, cap on, yep. no problem. So right. ready to rock and roll. There we go. <laughs> well, how do you like Seattle? I mean, like, you've been here since you said last yeah, fall? Yeah, last September. Last mm-hmm. September. All right. How's it been for about two years here? It's been good. This year has been uh, a lot better than last year. Got mm-hmm. to experience the off season. Got to experience a nice spring coming into the season with OTAs. Um, so uh, I've really enjoyed it. And, um really gotten familiar with the area so it's helped a lot with restaurants and just places to go places not to go i've really enjoyed it okay restaurants to go to the pink doors up there oh yeah um i i mean one of my favorite smoothie spots is emerald city smoothie i get that almost every day yeah Um, there's like a little grazies right by the south center that's where uh, Grazies. Grazies, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good little Italian spot. Okay. It is as my family goes there all the time. That was my yeah. very, very first date. Oh, at really? At oh. Tech. Yeah. Did you pay? As a, as no, a, I didn't pay. I Did I pay? Sure. I was, making sure. she was 20 I was years a old. catch. No, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> 17. <Yeah. laughs> hey, um, are, are you're playing a lot more defense now? Are you still on the same special teams? Yeah, the, we're trying to figure out what the best case scenario is, depending on how many uh, reps I have to get in the game. Okay. I'm still going to be on punt and uh, kick return. We'll see about kickoff and uh, punt return. You need to be on punt return, man. Yeah. We talked about this. I know you got a piece of one in uh, against the Chargers, yep. and it just seems like you're getting closer and closer. We got a hand on – I'm trying to remember who got the, the tip this last week. Xavier. Xavier Crawford did. Yes, sir. Yeah, so – Man, I want to see you get one. Yeah, I mean, I've get, I've had some some opportunities to go one on one with some guys, and uh, been making it making it work. Just getting closer and closer. You know, it's hard, but uh, yeah, fighting. Uh, it's there's a ridiculous stat about if you block a punt in the NFL, if you if you block a, another team's uh, punt, it's like ninety five percent of the time you win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big play. Let's block, punts, Let's block some punts. Let's go. Yeah, gotta get it in there. I've been uh I've been uh, in the NFL locker room and it can get wild. Dudes start talking about what they did and what you could do and can't do. You ever walk around and be like, man, I'm a two-time national champion, man. Can't nobody <laughs> say nothing to me in this thing. Uh, especially when the playoffs start getting talked about, you know, like LJ TCU's finally yeah. up there. Yeah, <laughs> got a little something to brag about. I'm like, let's let's pump the brakes, man. <laughs> you, don't, you don't realize who you're talking to. Been there five times. I mean, Ooh-wee. wow. Get much better. Do you yeah. ever throw like a good for you? Like just get oh, real yeah, patronizing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love good that for you. you. Uh, proud of you, bud. <laughs> oh no. Like All right, uh, we got a couple minutes left here, Tanner. Can I turn to you for some analysis here, some pregame analysis? Tell me a bit about the Rams. Uh, so the Rams. Uh, maybe from an offensive point of view, I guess, since you'll be facing them, but whatever you yeah. see. So they got Baker now. The The game's changed a little bit. Uh, you see some similarities in it. Definitely want to get Cam Makers the ball. They want to run the ball. They want to be able to control first and second down, running the ball. Boot game's heavy. Off of the run. Um, and then third down, they're going to try to get him a clean pocket, quick, mm-hmm. easy reads. So we just got to be able to, you know, be where we're supposed to be, read the eyes, and uh, let the rush eat. And then that'll help us in the coverage. What do you see from Baker Mayfield? It's pretty amazing what he did. I don't know if you're familiar. He had like two days of practice or two, 
Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, pretty amazing, but what are you seeing from them now? Uh, definitely uh, getting more comfortable in the system that they got. Uh, they're giving him plays where they're a little easier reads, quick game, uh, giving the ball off, boots, things like that, giving him more of an open pocket, giving him space to move. And uh, I think he's taking uh, control of it and getting his playmakers the ball. So we just got to be on our P's and Q's and really shut it down. Man, I watched you when you came in the game last week, and um, you just looked natural at the position. I mean, you were a safety in college, man. Your eyes were good. You didn't seem like you got fooled. Um, what, what's your preparation like throughout the week, and how has being a safety helped you at that, that second level? Yeah, I would say um, being a safety in college has really opened my eyes to the big picture of things. Now that I'm at the linebacker spot, I get to read like what's called the triangle, the guard center in the mm -hmm. back. Um, so it's a lot more close and tight-knit um, spaces that i got to be in. i got obviously had to get stronger through these years to be able to hold my own in the, inside the box. But I think um, my, just through my preparation, I mean, I, I didn't get any reps last week in practice. Mm -hmm. So when you're going through that, you just got to be locked in during practice, watching as much film as you can because you don't want to, you know, oops, somebody goes down, you're not ready. Right. Mm -hmm. So... I, I take a lot of pride in my preparation to always be ready, always be ready for the call because this is what I do, and you know I want to show that I'm one of the best. I think that's underrated that people don't understand how hard it is to be a backup because mm -hmm. I, I was for a couple of years, and you don't get any reps in practice, right? right. None, I mean, none. you're getting none, basically. I mean, sometimes it, you get like three, yep. and then you're running scout team and stuff like that. But, I mean, just being the readiness and being aware, especially for like a backup quarterback, you know, but, yeah, that's uh, pretty difficult, right? Yeah, I mean, this is the league, so guys go down all the time. Yeah. So you got to be ready. But I've seen it firsthand in college, guys stepping up to the plate not being ready. Now we lose these big games. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't ever want to be in that position where I'm, I'm part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution and help this team get to bigger and better goals. How do you do that? Like, do you – like, for instance, I know that, like – the wide receivers only because I see it at training camp, like they'll go out and get extra reps in, right? How do you do it as a linebacker? Is it a lot of mental stuff? Is it tape? Is it like, Hey, can I like block you and go one-on-one? -on -one? Like, what do you do? Yeah. It's film study. Uh, most importantly, and you got to break, you got to know how to break down the game. Like when rookies come in, they don't, they might not know how to truly break down a game. You got first and second down and third down are two separate things. Then you got the red zone. Then you got two minute, then you got backed up. So you got to be able to take, take these situations and apply them. Uh, you got to know what they're hitting on. So if they're second and second and long, it's going to be more pass because they're trying to get to third and manageable. Mm -hmm. So that that stuff has to click when you're on the field. But that only comes with mental preparation on your iPad, just taking the time, like by yourself, you know, shutting down all the other noise, put your phone up, and uh, you know, get to work. All right, Tanner, uh, you are going to get a ton of playing time this week. We are very excited to watch you have fun. Uh, have a good game, and thank you for joining us. We know it's a, it's a big week. you got to go get work. You just finished practice, but we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having appreciate me. All right, it. he is Seahawks linebacker Tanner Muse. Do not go anywhere. You're going to hear from Geno Smith next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rostin. You're about to listen to Geno Smith. He's at the podium now. There's a lot on the line on this game on Sunday. How do you view this and, I guess, the entire circumstance around it? Yeah, um, it's exciting. You know, I really think it's exciting for our team. Obviously, uh, we get a chance to, you know, if we win, give ourselves a shot at the playoffs. So I think everyone's excited. You know, the entire locker room's focused. Everyone's ready um, just to prepare and get ready for the week. So uh, I think, you know, over the course of the season, uh, we've done some good things to put ourselves in this position. Obviously, wish we could have done a lot better. But, uh, you know, it's what you want at the end of the year to be playing meaningful games. And so we got one coming up this Sunday.
you know, as a leader with the week like this, I'll follow up to Jen's question, do you feel any sense you have to say something to players? Is it more just let people be where they are and get ready for the business at hand on Sunday? Yeah, I think uh, just, you know, from my feel of the locker room, everyone's locked in. You know, Coach Carroll already set the tone early in the week. And, uh, you know, Shane and uh, Coach Hurt, you know, they're really leading this thing. And then, you know, obviously the leaders on the team. But um, when it comes down to getting guys ready, um, I know every one of these guys are, you know, preparing as hard as they can and they're going to be ready. Uh, we know what's at stake. You know, we know what we got to do. It's one game. Um, we've done, you know, great things over the course of the season, had some, you know, not so good moments, but we're right, you know, in, in the thick of it. And so everyone's excited, ready to go, and uh, looking forward to it. It seems like every week we ask you questions about a specific game. Sometimes even individual accolades, your refrain is, you just want to make the playoffs. That's my goal. I want to make the playoffs. Is, is this season, does the success of the season to you come down just to that? Is it as simple as if we make the playoffs? Or is the success if we... Um, I don't think that measures it, but that's that's the goal. It's got to be your goal. You know, coming into the season, I think all, all the teams are saying, hey, we got a shot at the Super Bowl. And uh, for us to be, you know, in, in January now and having to play a meaningful game on Sunday with a shot at the playoffs, you know, that's the goal. Um, you can talk about, uh, you know, all the accolades all you want, but it comes down to what we do as a team to, to determine our success, like you said. So... Uh, it really just comes down to this one game, giving ourselves a shot, and then, you know, we go on from there. The last time, the last time you faced the Rams, it was a big day for DK and for Tyler. What was it about the connection in that game that was so effective? You know, I think we did a great job of getting those guys started early. Um, I think we did a great job in that game of uh, making sure that, uh, you know, me personally, that I was getting the ball out in rhythm and getting it out on time. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, DK and Tyler did a phenomenal job. They just, you know, play, had excellent games. And they've done that all year. Uh, you know, obviously, I know DK gets excited for those big matchups. And, uh, you know, Ramsey and that defense and, you know, playing against Bobby again, those are ones we, we're, we're thrilled, thrilled to play. So, um, you know, as long as we have those two guys uh, with Tyler and DK, we got, you know, a shot at doing some excellent things. And so uh, looking forward to, you know, seeing what they do on Sunday. What do you think of the prospect of having to having to win and then kind of wait and see what happens and go watch another game to see what happens? Uh, well, you know, obviously we got to take care of our our business first, and then um, after that, you know, it just comes down to you know that you know Detroit Packers game, and so um, we can't control that. You know, all we got is what we can do, and that's you know go out there and uh, you know win this game on Sunday, and then you know become the biggest Detroit fans uh, in in the world. You know, after that. You guys do get in the playoffs. What characteristics about your team gives you confidence you guys could make a run? I think we um, we've shown balance. You know, just on the offensive side, we've shown balance. We've shown explosiveness. We've shown that we can compete against anybody. We've played all you know pretty much a lot of really good defenses and. Um, I feel like we've stood the test of, you know, over the course of the season. And, uh, you know, our defense, you, you can see what happens when they play connected. When they come out and dominate the way they do, we can beat anybody. Uh, we went on a, you know, four-game winning streak early in the season. Uh, we're beating some really good teams. And so all we have to do is stick to our formula, um, taking care of the football, getting turnovers on defense, uh, moving the chains, controlling the clock, running the ball, being efficient. And then, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, winning the game, you know, in those winning moments. Mentioned Bobby a minute ago. What was that like last game going against a guy who you know each other well? He knows the personnel. He knows a lot of your offense. Just kind of that matchup yeah. of a man. I hate that he got that interception on me, but um, you know Bobby's a great player. You know he's a great player, Hall of Fame um, caliber player. 
And it's uh, it's extremely fun to play against them. You know, it reminds me of practice. We, we used to compete all the time in, in practice. I was scout team quarterback. You know, he's starting middle linebacker. And, you know, you guys know me. I wasn't, you know, taking it easy. I was trying to, you know, go after him. And um, he embraced that challenge, and it made me better. And so to be able to now compete against them in, in real live action, uh, it just makes the game that much more fun because, you know, like you said, we know each other, um, and we're great friends. But when when it's between the lines, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're in go mode. What have you seen out of the running game the last couple of weeks, and how much has that helped your offense get back to where you want it to be? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously it starts up front, and I think our line's been doing a great job at uh, getting back to, you know, staying connected, um, you know, playing together, you know, being a, a solid unit that we know them to be. And then with our runners, man, they're being aggressive, going downhill, Ken being explosive, you know, DJ stepping up and doing what he's done. Uh, you know, all of us, you know, it takes everybody. The receivers blocking, tight ends doing a great job at blocking. And then um, playing off of that, and so um, that's that's our formula, I believe. You know, if, if we can control the clock, um, keep our defense on the sideline, allow them to stay rested, and then go out there and be explosive, and then we continue to stay efficient in the passing game, do well on third downs, do re uh, well in the red zone. Uh, we we have a shot. You know, we have a real legit shot. DJ is a guy who maybe doesn't get a ton of attention because he's not a starter out there getting 20 carries or whatever. But just in terms of the running, the pass catching, special teams, everything, what, what does he bring to you guys? I mean, I love, I love playing with DJ. Uh, we talk about it all the time. You know, just his, his passion for the game, he, do, he, he does it all. Swiss Army knife, he's our punt returner, kick returner, can be a receiver, running back, great in protection, a great teammate. Um, I mean, you just talk about all the things he brings to our offense. Um, you know, I think he's a starter in this league. Obviously, he's you know got guys in front of him, but every time he gets the ball or he gets an opportunity, um, you see what he's done out there, and he steps up. So um, I really appreciate playing with him. Smart player, uh, always knows what to do. Our communication is great back there, and uh, I, you know I really feel comfortable with him in the game. You could set a couple of pretty significant team records Sunday, and I know the playoffs is the main goal and all that. But do you take any pride in any of that? I mean, kind of looking at some of the numbers you put up this year. Honestly, I, you know I heard about it, and I think if. You know, a 17-game season. Um, I don't know if you should count it. Some, you know, some of that stuff, man. You know, if guys did it in 16 games, I got an extra game. So some of that stuff is like to me. You know, obviously the numbers will be what it is, but to me, you know, I, I look at it a little different. But um, I'm not really focused on that, as you know. Uh, I just want to go out there and play a real solid game, and, and, and you know, go out there and get a win so that we can uh, give us give ourselves a shot. We've seen a lot from Daryl Taylor the last couple of weeks. What makes him? such a threat off the edge. Like, if you had to get for him. Yeah. What is it's, uh, I mean, you know, he was giving us fits in training camp. Uh, just his first step, his get-off, explosiveness off the ball, man. He's, uh, I mean, he's one of the best I've seen at it. Um, you know, he's got a great, you know, dip move where he goes up and under the uh, tackles, and it seems like it's being very effective. And so, um, you know, he's still a young player, still growing, still becoming, you know, who he's going to be. But um, he's got all, all the physical stuff, uh, loves love the game, got all the intangibles. And then uh, I, I assume he's just, you know, a mismatch for a lot of tackles with his speed. For Tyler to play last week with the plate and the screws in his hand and so quickly after the procedure, what do you think that says just about his, his toughness? Uh, super tough, man. Uh, and we've known that about Tyler. He's a tough dude. Not the biggest guy in the world, um, you know. Not gonna, you know, intimidate anybody with his stature. But uh, I mean, he's a hellacious player, and, and he makes it tough on those DBs. And the more he's out there, the better we are, as we know. So, just seeing how he's overcome so much, you know, throughout his career and his lifetime, and that's just another thing, an example of who he is. Just a super tough guy, tough player, and uh, I think that's the underrated part of his game. 
logistically, like if you, if you guys win on Sunday, what do you guys do in terms of the Packers game? You guys gonna watch together, or everybody just? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. You know, we might get together. Or, you know, guys might be at home, but um, you know, after the game, we'll see. You know, we'll figure it out. That game in Inglewood last week or last month. How loud was Bobby Wagner across the line? Man, he was. Uh, he was he was loud, man. They were getting a little chippy in there. Um, a lot of talk between him and DK. A lot of friendly stuff, and uh, it was fun. It was fun. You know, he's the Bobby we know. Um, you know, talking his stuff, playing his game, and uh, he had a great game. So we gotta, you know, make sure we limit that um, up this upcoming Sunday. Oh uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, it's all you know, fun and games. I told him he still can't beat me in shoot offs, but you know, all that other stuff is, you know, it's just between the lines, and we enjoy it. All right, that was Geno Smith at the podium. Coming up in the final hour of the huddle, we will hear from some of your favorite Seahawks voices, including Ray Roberts, John Boyle, and Steve Rabel. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross joining us now. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts, Seahawks, ahead of a must-win game against the Rams. Uh, Ray, before we look too much at the Rams, uh, what did you take from this win against the Jets? You know, the the thing that I like is that uh, for the, the few weeks leading up to that game, <clears throat> the offense just was not in any kind of rhythm in the first half. And so uh, this game, obviously the first play from scrimmage, 60-something yard run by Kenneth Walker. And then to me, that just kind of set the tone uh, for the rest of the game. I think that energized the defense. The defense was playing fast and uh, with urgency. And then up front of the offense, I think I just heard um, – uh, Gino say about the connectivity and so when I was watching the offensive line like that's good connectivity between Stone, Forsyth and the tight ends when they're blocking together I think that's their uh, Blythe and um, uh, Damian Lewis did a good job and then Damian Lewis and and uh, Charles Cross worked well together some some of that stuff we hadn't seen in a while Hey, Ray, talk a little bit about, because I think what they've been doing with Austin Blythe, I've seen teams, I know, I thought I thought the Rams did this, where they kind of loaded up on him because of his size and just tried to, you know, number one, bench press him into the backfield. But I, I, a couple plays, and maybe I didn't see this, but you, you tell me, it looked like the guards were helping out the center a little bit. And you said, you know, because he's snapping the ball and everything, that guards can be really instrumental in, uh, in helping out a center in, in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, you know, uh, the, especially the double teams with um, Damian Lewis, they were super tight, like nice and tight with Blythe, especially when they had Quentin Williams uh, over there and they were able to kind of be a little bit patient with the double team before they got up to the linebacker. So there were some plays where the linebacker man made the tackle for like a three, three or four yard uh, gain, but it was still benefiting the offense because you're ahead of the chains, you're establishing the run, you're committing to the run because they were spending a little bit more time on those double teams. And so, gotcha. you know, as the season goes, or as this, you know, this game comes up, hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to kind of ease up to that second level. Cause those are some of the things that especially Gabe Jackson and uh, Damian Lewis excel at is getting up to that second level. Ray, when we saw the Hawks play against the, uh, the Carolina Panthers, they brought in an extra lineman. I'm talking about the Panthers, an extra lineman right. offensively and played that game. Last week, we saw a bit of that with, uh, who was it, Jake Curry, and they came in and reported eligible. We also saw some 13 personnel. I was under the impression with Will Disley being out, we'd see less of 13 personnel. Um, how did you like their just approach to the run game as far as their personnel? Well, you know, uh, I think they probably learned a little bit from the Carolina Panthers. Remember, the Panthers came in with three other offensive linemen. 
and when they came into their 13 personnel. And so when I saw Jake running out onto the field, I got excited because he's a very good run blocker. Like he is a dude that is going to uh, bring his lunch pail, you know, to the, to the run blocking party and he's going to be there all night. And so I was excited that they were using him that way because I thought they gained as well as the, the tight ends, you know, block on the, on the edge on that one first, uh, that first run Phantom, um, um, Kobe did uh, did a really good job on the backside cutoff, but Jake is a dude that can drive another 300-pound dude off the ball, and so I, I was excited that they brought him in and used him that way. Hey, uh, Ray, the Rams, it says they're 10th against the run, but they allowed 130 last week to Austin Eckler, and uh, they've, they haven't been great as a defense. They struggle more against the pass, but doesn't this feel like a game where you lean into who you are no matter what offensively? Well, I think so. Kenneth Walker is coming off of two straight, you know, 100-plus-yard games. The offense is feeling really good about it. And I think, you know, Turbo said in our post game uh, last last week that the thing that he was impressed with the running game was the commitment, not just the actually calling the plays, but the finish by the offensive line. Kenneth Walker really been decisive in, you know, what he was trying to get done on, on the different run plays. Even when he may have missed the read, he still was committed to what he was doing. And so I think all of that uh, adds up to the Seahawks, you know, probably going to come out and try to establish the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball uh, uh, on Sunday. And that I think that'll give them the best chance to, to play the type of football they want to play. Hey, Big Ray, uh, I know you told to us, but a uh, different audience here. Just wanted to hear what you thought about uh, Stone Forsyth, who, you know, really a good pass blocker, it seems like. But the uh, challenge for him is just going to be his height and, and getting low. And you're a big, tall guy. Tell us how, how you dealt with that and just kind of what Stone Forsyth's going through. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that Stone, like, really learned a lot just watching uh, Abe Lucas because I can see uh, in his run fits and his finish, uh, it it kind of looks like Abe Lucas, <laughs> like, like <laughs> trying to be really physical and really trying to finish block and really trying to move the pile. And then in pass blocking, Abe's greatest advantage uh, and his greatest weakness is his height and, and length. You know, like if, if the defensive linemen are close to him, he can get his hands on him. Uh, he does a pretty good job. But when he gets out in space and they give him a double move, then he kind of loses in that situation sometimes. But I thought he played really, really well. And I thought he ran block well. The one sack that they may have given to him, I think that was more on, uh, I think uh, Jackson got beat at guard. And so that pushed the quarterback out of the pocket a little bit. But I thought he played really well. And especially since he's been a a left tackle most of his career. So it's really hard to kind of change over the muscle memory sometimes when you're going from left to right. Ray, have you ever been in a in the situation that the Rams are in where you're not really playing for nothing, but you're you're trying to be a spoiler? And if you have, is that something that's talked about throughout the week when you're practicing, or is it something that is known but not really, um, you know, talked about? No, I, I think if you are going into a game, uh, I, I can't re- recall ever being a spoiler, but I can I can recall many games seasons of not having anything to play for it then. But, um, <laughs> Sorry, Ray. Me too, buddy. <laughs> those, those didn't feel good, Big Mike. You're kind of traumatizing me right now. Uh, but no, Mom, I, what'd you I, do? I know it, right? I, I think, uh, you know, just in particular, talking about the this, you know, with the uh, uh, with the Rams and then also with the Lions, you, you're still talking about professionals. Like, the fact that Bobby Wagner's still going to 
lace him up and come and play. Like, the game means something to him. And I think the fact that it means something to him and being who he is, uh, the guys on that team are going to make sure that this is a meaningful game for him. So uh, this is, I think, a, a little bit different than, like, the players trying to get packed up and get home and, uh, you know, get on with your offseason. But I think the Seahawks find themselves in a unique situation where the Rams are truly playing for something in Bobby Wagner. And then also the Detroit Lions are playing for something just because they have uh, uh, Campbell as their coach. So so uh, I think they have a chance uh, to have a – it's going to be a tough game here on, on Sunday, but I think they have a chance to, uh, to if they get the win, to, for, for uh, Detroit to come through for them. All right. Ray Roberts, we go in the trenches with him uh, every single Thursday for the huddle. You can also hear Ray on the Seahawks pre and post game show, along with Michael Bumpus. These guys, all three of you actually have a very long day on Sunday ahead of the Seahawks regular season finale. Knock on wood. Let's hope it's not the last game they play this year. Thanks so much, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, you guys have a good one. Happy New Year again. Same. Happy New Year. All right. Still to come in the huddle, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. We're also going to have an opponent preview with J.B. Long out there in L.A. to figure out how the Rams are doing. And then we'll wrap up with John Boyle. So some good voices back to back to back interviews coming your way. It starts with Rabes next. You are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and joining us right now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how's it going? Great, gang. How are you doing? Uh, we are well. I mean, we uh, have been talking all day about mostly looking ahead to the Rams, and it's it's a weird situation that Seattle's in, right? I mean, they control the game that they have, but they still need the Lions to upset the Packers in Lambeau, so we haven't been focusing too much on that <laughs> because there's nothing we can do about it. Um, step one is going to be winning this game against the Rams. Uh, what's going to be the formula? I mean, if, if this game gets won, it's because the Seahawks did what? Well, a couple of things, I think. Um, keep the running game going that they found last week against a very good Jets defense. Um, Ken Walker, uh, from the very first play of the game, uh, unloaded on New York, and I think that, that set them back on their heels, and we rushed for, what, a total of 190 yards or something like that uh, in the game last week and do better than we did against the run versus these very same Rams five weeks ago. We gave up over 170 yards rushing, 5.2 yards a carry to the Rams the first time we met. Uh, And again, that was John Walford playing quarterback. You knew what they were going to come out and try to do, and they went ahead and did it anyway. Now they lost the game, but only on a last-minute or two-minute drive by Geno Smith. So continue to be able to run the football and, uh, and stop the run or at least slow down the Rams in that way. And plus, don't forget what Geno did in that first game. There were 17 receptions combined between Lockett and uh, DK, Metcalf, and two touchdowns. I mean, that's great production out of your quarterback. you got to keep that going as well. Well, if I'm going to echo one of those, it's stop the run because the Rams are, what, 28th? in run offense so and they they i think they were last the last time we played them and they unleashed what was it 170 yards against our defense so yeah that that was uh that was a big one steve and 
I feel like, you know, you got talk a little bit about I don't know if you remember, because I was part, Steve, of lots of spoiler games at the end of the season where we weren't going to the playoffs. Maybe it was because I was on the team. I don't know. But um, tell me about how you felt like going into that last game. And, you know, there's a lot of people saying, well, they're going to, you know, maybe shut it down. I I think the Rams would love nothing more than to come in here and spoil our little party. And same thing with Detroit and Green Bay. No, without question. I mean, there's nothing else for them to play for other than the fact that they're, you know, there's been no other team, I think, in the history of the Super Bowl era that has lost this many games after winning the Super Bowl. So, you know, chalk that up to right. all the injuries they've had. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, there's lots of excuses. But the bottom line is there are going to be some serious changes on that Rams team, regardless of the fact that they had a bunch of guys getting hurt. There are going to be some of the older guys who are going to say, I don't know if I want to come back for this. Uh, and I'm thinking of Aaron Donald specifically. He retired once or almost did after the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, that's what that's what their season now hangs on, is to making things miserable for us. You never want to lose to a team twice in one season. Um, and, and it's and it's uh, I'm thinking ahead now, should in fact, should we get in and, and uh, it, the Lions, you know, do us a big favor? And should we end up playing San Francisco? You know, it's tough for a team to beat you three times. So that's one of those hopes that you kind of carry with you in your back pocket. But bottom line is all the Seahawks can do is, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out because I have to talk to, to Pete later on this afternoon, how to ask this question without having him say, I don't care about what happens later on in the evening. All we can control is what we can do. But you know the Rams, and led by Bobby too. Bobby Wagner, he, wants, he loves the fans, what they meant to him here. Uh, but he wants to make sure that, the note that he leaves Lumen Field on after the game on Sunday is to beat the guys that let him go, and he'd love nothing better. Hey, Raves, there's a, a bunch of stories going on this weekend. You got the Hawks hopefully trying to get into the playoffs, but then you got some individual stuff going on. You got Geno, who needs 151 yards for the franchise record for most yards in a season. Um, you have Tyler Lockett, how healthy he is. We'll see him going for his fourth straight 1,000-yard season. Even if the Hawks lose this game, um, I would I would describe the season as a success because of that and all the other things that have happened this season and expectations. How would you describe this year, win or loss? Um, let me throw in there: you got uh, Ken Walker the third trying to get to a thousand yards. It would make him one of three rookies to get a thousand yards for the Seahawks. <clears throat> that said, um, you know it, it's. I don't want to say the season's been disappointing because it hasn't been. The, the team has been, you know, considering all the changes, considering a new quarterback, and, and uh, you lose not one but two running backs, one even before the season started, uh, and now you're working on your third who was a rookie draft choice. Uh, you got two tackles who were, who were rookies that are starting. Um, all those things set aside, we saw how this team could play. We saw what was possible out of this group earlier in the year during that four-game losing, uh, four-game winning streak, and so to know that they could play that way, and I think this is the thing that has really boggled the minds of the coaches at times: is how could they have played so well defensively and offensively during that streak, and then fallen on such hard times, uh, losing five of six, and ending up now where. You don't control your own destiny. Any one of those games against the NFC South, you win it, and we're not having this conversation. We're talking about getting ready for the playoffs after this game on Sunday. 
that didn't happen. So all that said, yes, young teams, they're up and down, and you just can't kind of gauge them all the time. Um, but I, I'm, I'm thrilled for this team for what they've been able to accomplish, and they still, after all that, have an opportunity to go to the playoffs. That makes it fun for them. sure makes it fun for us doing the broadcast. How does it change your expectations for 2023? Because, Raves, I went into the season thinking, God, I, I'm not even expecting a winning record. I think they're so young. They have so much learning to do. I didn't know what Gino would be. But now I feel like my expectations for next year are playoffs, given what we've seen. Well, absolutely. And, of course, that was the, believe me, that was the expectation yeah. from Pete. If you yes. say it, yeah. the expectation is always to, A, win your division. Because when you win your division, now you're in the playoffs. And now you have a home playoff game. And anything can happen uh, when you when you do that. Um, I, I, you know, I think all of us are going to be looking at, at this team after the fact, whether they make the playoffs this year or not, and say, now – this is really a playoff team, given the experience the young guys are going to have, given the guys who were injured, get them back, the pennies of the world, the, the Jamal Adams of the world, two of your best players, one on offense, one on defense, that hardly saw the light of day this season and then were injured and done. You know, I, I granted Penny lasted until the New Orleans game and, and was playing great. But Jamal Adams, I mean, everything was built around him. And, yep. and he's done, you know, in the first week. So I have great expectations for next year. And then throw on top of that, the draft choices that you're going to get. Thank you, Denver. Uh, plus the draft choices that we have of our own. You know, you're going to talk about reloading. Talk about adding some great talent to this football team. It's really going to be fun to watch. Hey, Steve, just uh, real quick, uh, we just had Nasachobi in here, and we were kind of reminiscing over Bobby Wagner's career. And just remember, you know, when he came in here, he had the, the turtle backpack that he would take on the road. I mean, he was kind of like a – he was kind of like such a young kid and just what he's developed into. Uh, the the story I shared was his rookie year when he chased down Cam Chan – or I'm sorry, Cam yeah. Newton and, yeah. and sacked him. I was like, whoa, that kid has some speed. But what were some of the plays and, you know, part of – parts of Bobby's career that, that stood out to you. That, that's the one, that's the one that, that I remember that stands out to me. Cam, you know, Cam Newton was like coming off of an MVP season. I mean, he was the, the best of the best, big, strong, fast, could throw the ball and, and made the, the Carolina offense something really special. And here comes this young kid from the middle of the field with a bad angle, chasing down Cam Newton on the far side of the field. It is the, 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 really the quintessential picture I have of Bobby um, and that, and, and, you know, getting guys in the right place, you always saw him out there kind of at front seven, directing traffic, making yeah. sure everything was in the right place. And then, you know, if he got his hands on you, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't miss a lot of tackles. Now, you know, he might make a tackle uh, at toward the end of his career here, four or five yards downfield but man when he when he clamp onto you you stay tackled so and just that that leadership that you know what uh, I, one of my thoughts too is what is the Seahawks team going to be without Jordan Brooks the closest thing they have to Bobby Wagner in this last game because of his injury uh, that's that's going to be sad I, I wish Jordan could be here to play in this one all right. Well said. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. You can hear him on the call this Sunday alongside color commentator Dave Wyman. Rabes, thanks so much for taking the time. We will talk to you on Thursday, and uh, I guess we'll hear from you after all on Sunday. Yeah, yes, you will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, Rabes. 
All right, we are going to talk to two reporters who know these two teams very, very well. Um, John Boyle is going to join us from Seahawks.com coming up at 45 after. We'll get kind of a little bit of an injury update with him, find out where this team is. Before we get to that, though, we're stepping across enemy lines to talk about the Rams in our opponent preview with J.B. Long. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We are stepping across enemy lines for an opponent preview with Rams play-by-play man J.B. Long. J.B., uh, we're really excited to see Bobby Wagner back up here, but it'll be a very emotional reunion for Bobby. They've already played once, but coming to Seattle will probably be different. Have you heard from him much this week, and what's he said? Yeah, we've been looking forward to this uh, for a long time as well. It's kind of interesting that the uh, season brackets with Russell Wilson's return in week one, and that was a game the league couldn't wait to get in prime time on the front end of the schedule, but uh, Bobby had to wait until the bitter end to make his, I think, triumphant return. I'm sure from what I've seen and read that the 12s are going to welcome him back with a warm embrace and a big ovation that he so richly deserves. Um, But I compare and contrast this to the first meeting back in early December when Bobby played pretty Low key, close to the vest, uh, talked about how he was a master of his emotions. But then what we saw him do is put on a helmet and go out there and torment the Seahawks and really put on one of his best performances in a very emotional manner. And so this time around, he was asked if we were going to say the same, see the same thing on Sunday. Um, and, and he talked more candidly, I thought, about why it is so emotional and uh, that he does recognize that the team had moved on from him. And he compared it to uh, a sibling rivalry of sorts that you're. Mm-hmm. Your brothers uh, know your uh, buttons better than anyone else and, and know how to get your goat and likewise go in the other direction. <laughs> that's that's a good comparison. Yeah, my brother, I could hate him more than any human on the field or, you know, on, in the on the earth. And, you know, because he knew exactly what buttons to push. That's very well said. Uh, hey, so with Bobby, I mean, I thought for a while, I was like, OK, he didn't really have an interception in that first game. That was not an interception. But you know what? <laughs> that was an absolute veteran move move by him I thought he did a better job of you know like hustling and like just the sort of acting job he did and um, he just is just I think everybody up here JB just loves him but it sounds like from talking to you guys especially the first time that everybody down there has pretty much fallen in love with Bobby Wagner too hard not to right Uh, he just conducts himself with uh, such professionalism and stature that it's admirable and what really, I think, distilled it for me is that he talked about how he grew up in Seattle. He was raised in L.A., and that's why I think this region will always identify with him and embrace him as one of their own, even though he's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Seahawk. But that after Utah State, he started to make his adult decisions and become the man that he is in the Pacific Northwest. So uh, I don't know if it's true of any of you, but I think for a lot of us, it's, it's fine to have multiple homes and, and multiple places where we grow roots and, and identify with. And I think that's the characteristic of Bobby Wagner. And uh, like I said, he's going to go into Canton as a Seahawk, but he's authored a pretty special chapter to his professional career here in LA as well. Hey JB, you guys have been uh, riddled with a bunch of injuries. And as of late, Baker Mayfield comes over off of two days of practice. He leads a game winning drive to, to get a game going. I believe you guys are two and two with Mayfield over there. No doubt in my mind that when Matthew Stafford is healthy, he's going to be the guy. But what do you think the future looks like for Baker Mayfield in Los Angeles? Yeah, I asked Sean McVay that very question on Monday, actually, in terms of the NFL's perception of Mayfield and what his next step might be. How much of it does he think is going to be influenced by this five-game sample size, which, to be candid, it comes with an offensive line that's in disrepair and he's been throwing to targets that were not necessarily even part of the Rams 
top end depth chart plan coming into this season, right? So how can you fairly evaluate Baker on uh, in the case that you're referencing Thursday night football against the Raiders, two sleeps worth of preparation, much less, you know, a month by the end, the end game here. And I think they are leaning in terms of their evaluation on the intangibles, what Baker has done to inspire the facility to make this last month of the season more compelling, uh, the way that he goes about his business, takes notes, uh, learns game plans and implements them uh, has been impressive, whether or not the other 31 or maybe 30 subtract the Panthers 29, if you subtract the Browns teams might be considering uh, with respect to Baker as either a starter or a backup remains to be seen. Uh, but QB2 is a position where the Rams, I think, are going to have to rethink their model a bit this offseason. And that may give Baker an opportunity to stay in Los Angeles. Hey, JB, help me make sense of uh, the Rams uh, run game a little bit. My memory of it was that it was pretty abysmal for most of the year. Then all of a sudden they were great <laughs> against Seattle, which had a pretty horrible run defense. Um, and then I don't really know what happened to them. All I know is that Cam Akers had 123 on 19 carries last week, uh, which is a pretty great average. So can we expect them to turn to the ground game again against Seattle since it, it worked last time and worked last week? All great questions, Stacey. I wish that you, you could answer them for me. It would make my job a lot easier. <laughs> uh, but he, here's my best swing at it, okay? Is okay. I think Cam Akers is at his best in the home position, in the dot, in a downhill running game with a quarterback playing under center and a passing game that dovetails with it and is largely play-action based. Uh, for your audience, this would align very much with what the Seahawks face with Jared Goff and Sean McVay and their partnership, Right. Last year's offense and, and what the Rams had hoped to do this year was constructed differently. Full field reads with Matthew Stafford in the shotgun, offset gun runs, uh, or even empty, uh, empty formations and plays. Come to find out, maybe that's not what Cam Akers likes most or does best. So getting back to McVay's early, let's say, 2017-18 roots offensively with a quarterback um, who can execute that and is okay with that, um, and then also getting just a modicum of offensive line cohesion where they've been able to start, you know, the same five back-to-back-to-back, uh, to back to back, I, I think has been tangible. Now, have they had some assistance along the way with less than stellar defenses uh, across the line of scrimmage? Yes, maybe. But I, I think that Denver defense uh, was, was pretty elite, at least on paper. They may not have had a lot to play for when they came in on Christmas Day and the Rams put 50-plus on them. Well, JB, what do you think, man? I mean, uh, also, yeah, we, we were talking a little bit. I, did you watch Hard Knocks at all this week? Or, I'm sorry, this year. I, I I watched this year. I did not finish it. I think I got to the Mexico City trip, maybe for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, an episode or two beyond that. But yeah. uh, then life caught up with me, and a lot of it was holiday. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm just curious what you think, because they're in our division. And and, you know, look, I, I think the, the Rams, the record after winning the Super Bowl. But I, I just I feel like that team is still intact that, you know, McVay is still good watching the Cardinals, man. I'm I'm just curious. I, I feel like they are lost, man. I mean, I don't think Kingsbury is a great leader. I don't think Kyler Murray's a great leader. Um, you know, I'm not so sure about their GM. It just comes comes off as, you know, maybe maybe they're going to suffer for a little while or figure things out. I don't know what they're going to do, but I just was very uninspired by Cliff Kingsbury and what I saw. 
So you're offering the Cardinals to me as like an olive branch because misery loves company and, and the Rams don't have it as bad as the team in the bottom, bottom. Of no, the like I right said, I, I, <laughs> like I said, I think McVeigh is so good and you have such good coaches that there's no way it's going to get to that point. That's for sure. I think, I think your point is, is well taken in that there have been moments within the worst season, and it's not even close, of the Sean McVay era where the Rams have made uh, really winning memories and have demonstrated their culture, which uh, as recently as 12 months ago had confetti falling and the Lombardi Trophy lifted. But what can you author when the chips are down? And how can someone like Bobby Wagner, Sean McVay, Jalen Ramsey carry you through tough times? Like it's telling to me that even though they've lost Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, Ramsey and Wagner and Rob Haven signed the right tackle and a few others, Tyler Higby, the tight end, are in line to play over 1,000 snaps and make all 17 starts uh, at the tail end of the season that doesn't have anything on the table at this point. And so I think those are the moments that are really tough to stomach right now, but I do believe that in the mud of this season are the seeds of the the Rams' next build i don't know that that's going to be a one-year turnaround though i do think there are still some championship pieces in place but i are you asking what would i trade places with the cardinals right now no certainly not yeah well and i i would say if you're getting ready to play the ramps just last thing uh and you say i'll take three players off the board aaron donald matthew stafford cooper cup yeah. so yeah, yeah i think it's i think it's pretty remarkable what's what's been going on there all right, he is Rams play-by-play man, J.B. Long. J.B., man, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, have a good rest of your Thursday. Can't wait to uh, get up there and hear the ovation that Bobby received. That's been something that we're all looking forward to. It'll be fun. Yep. Thanks so much, Thanks. J.B. Uh, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, about Bobby's return here to Seattle. We'll also check in on how the Seahawks team is doing next. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now to talk Seahawks and wrap up some of our final thoughts on this game ahead of Week 18 is John Boyle, reporter for Seahawks.com. John, how's it going? Happy it's, New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. It's going very well. Thanks. Getting ready for Week 18. It's the final week of the regular season. Let's hope that there's more football to play for this team. They're going to need some help from the Lions, but we don't need to talk about that right now because they can't control it. So let's talk about what they can, which is a win over the Rams. Bobby Wagner. Back yeah. to town, and it's weird because it's the second meeting, but it feels so much different with yeah. him coming here. Well, for you know, it'll be the first time for all our yeah. fans to to see him in the building, and you know, it was a pretty fun experience last time. Just all the trash shot going on in that game. He obviously played really well, but yep. him and you know DK are getting into it. Even Tyler was chirping at him, which you don't see at Tyler Lockett very <laughs> often. So it'll be fun, and I think the fans are going to give him a very nice reception when he comes in that building. They were having fun with him, though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. nothing. I, I heard Bobby Wagner make the comparison. Like, if you're playing basketball against, you know, your family, like yeah. it's your brother or something, like, things get a little chippy and you know how to get on each other's skin. But it's all <laughs> love. <laughs> that was we were talking earlier about brothers and, like, my brother could do the one thing that got me the most yeah. mad. Exactly. Yeah. But, but he's also the person I love the most. So, but, yeah, I, I think Bobby coming in here, and it's going to be totally different than Russ. I think a lot of people felt like Bobby was sort of an innocent victim, whereas Ross was like, the perception was he wanted out of here. So, yeah, I think 
what do you what do you predict as far as his reception? What if he makes a a play? I mean, I don't think you're going to cheer a sack. No, but. I mean, look, fans for the most part, the fans of that building want the Seahawks to win, and they know what's at stake. So I think once the game starts, you're not rooting against Bobby Wagner per se, but you're rooting for the Seahawks to succeed. And in that case, you don't want Bobby Wagner making a bunch of plays. But yeah, anything pregame, you know, when he runs out of the tunnel or just like interacting with fans on the sideline before the game, things like that. I think it's going to be a ton of love. I mean, he, he was a guy who was always a fan favorite here. And to your point, it wasn't, he didn't make the choice to leave. It was, you know, he was released. So I think fans see that a little differently. John, you've been asked this question throughout the season, just with Gino. And could you imagine he's having the season that he's having, but we're at the end of this thing and he's on the verge of breaking some records and doing some things that Russell didn't even do 70% completion rate is on the verge of breaking Russell Wilson's single season record. I mean, the, the performance that Gino has had this year, is like nothing I've ever seen before. When you factor in the expectations um, in whole, now that we're at the end of the season, um, I'm asking you again, could you imagine that Gino would no, have this I mean, type of season? I think I had higher expectations than a lot of fans did because I've seen him in practice for three years and know he can really throw a football. And I, I didn't think he was, you know, I, I thought they could win a, a bunch of games with him, but I didn't necessarily think he was going to put up the numbers he did mm-hmm. and you know, be a Pro Bowl. I, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I predicted he was going to make the Pro Bowl this year and, to your point, break the franchise single-season yardage record, completion percentage. Uh, you know, he'll, he's got a chance to be one of only three quarterbacks in franchise history to throw 30 touchdown passes in a season. So, yeah, it's it's pretty phenomenal what he's done this year, and it's just a cool story for a guy to wait that long for his opportunity and then seize it like he has and not just help the team, but he's setting himself up for life financially with, you know, yeah. whatever his next contract is going to be. Seahawks were able to uh, get the run game going last week, not just with Ken Walker this time. DJ Dallas was involved. They got nearly 200 yards on the ground. I'm sure Pete Carroll uh, was drooling over that kind of stat sheet, right? That's exactly what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, it was like 38 carries by the end of the game. Yeah, you think that's the kind of approach they take this week? If you can, I mean, you you can't run it that many times if you're not finding success. Yeah. They were moving the ball on the ground. So they definitely, I mean, they know this offense is better when it's balanced like that and you take some some of the pass rush heat off Geno Smith when you can run it well. You open things up in the passing game in general. So, yeah, I think we're going to see them come out with Walker and Dallas and try to run the ball again as, as well as they can. Um, yeah, how about um, you, you look at some of the guys, uh, some of the younger guys, like we're going to see Tanner Muse. We had him in here and without Jordan Brooks there. And, and then, you know, I've kind of – I think looking back, I feel like Cody has played better at middle linebacker than he has at any other spot, mm-hmm. if you go back and look. But uh, as far as Tanner Muse, that's, that's kind of a – he, he kind of came out of the blue, but interesting guy. We had him on, and guy runs a 4 4 He's a nickel guy, so yeah, it'll I be mean, pretty interesting. Sa- former safety is a heck of an athlete. I mean, he was a third-round pick for a reason. So um, I, I thought he played really well when you consider he's coming in cold and those are really the first meaningful defensive snaps he played for this team. So, you know, give him a week to prep with the ones and all that. I think we'll see some pretty good things out of him. But it is, it's it's tough ask. I mean, Jordan Brooks is one of your best defensive yeah. players and losing him hurts. You got um, Jonathan Abram played every snap yeah. on defense last week. Um, obviously, he's here out of necessity. You got Ryan Hill's been banged up. Jamal Adams is obviously out. Is he a guy you think could be back next year and help this team? I mean, we'll see. We'll see what – I. I mean, I think if they can get him back and it doesn't turn into, you know, if he plays really well for a couple of weeks and he's got a big market, then it always the business side of it gets hard. But I, we see this a lot with this team where they maybe bring guy in late in the season. It's almost like a extended tryout both for the player and for the player to see if the team's a fit for 
you know, for each other, but I could definitely see a scenario where, you know, he likes it here and they like what he did and they try mm-hmm. to bring him back. I mean, he, he played pretty solid and they like his versatility. They feel like they can do a lot of the, not saying he is Jamal Adams, but do some of the same things of moving him around, using him in the box, right. all that kind of stuff. Um, Wrapping up uh, the huddle, we've got about two minutes left here for some of our final thoughts, which is how we end every single huddle. And this is the final game of the regular season. So I thought we would do a little bit of looking back with this one. Um, I'll get us started for this, but something we've learned about this team, maybe over the course of the year, and uh, especially if it's something that can help them in the final game, for instance. Um, I've learned that Geno Smith can spread the ball around. Like, I, he does not lean on one guy or two guys just for a safety blanket. He has incorporated the tight ends, and I think that that is going to be huge in, in, a, in a reason they can beat the Rams on, a, on Sunday. I'll say this. Um, I predicted that this team was going to be 9-8, and eight, and the reason why was because of Pete and John. And I think what we've learned mm-hmm. is that that, deserves credit that John does a great job of putting the the team together and Pete is an unbelievable coach and I think that you saw him do that with Russ I don't know what's going to happen with Russ going forward I don't know you know if maybe Pete had a way of saving him from himself because he really had an atrocious season but um, he proved that he can coach Gino Mm -hmm. into in his 10th year I mean it's a very odd occurrence that you and your 10th year all of a sudden get it but he got an opportunity and I think he had the right coach so to me I I just think that John and Pete deserve more credit than they've gotten and that's why I predicted nine and eight Boyle I I was going to kind of go a similar route and just the the idea that you know the the coaching and the culture and the, the whole team element of it it sounds obvious, but that that can matter more than individual you know player or two that people just see these guys are gone and this team's in trouble. Uh, but since he took that one, I'll steer differently. And I'm going to point to this rookie class and that we learned throughout the course of the year that they've got one hell of a class that has not only helped them win eight and hopefully nine games this year, but sets them up incredibly well for the future. And all of them are going to be really important in week 18 as well. Exactly. Bump, final word here. You still um, yeah, I, I've learned that um, these guys are good at finding diamonds in a rough and guys who can contribute, not the superstars. Mike Jackson, DJ Dallas, Tanner Muse has played good. Um, having you know, Derek Young go down on a, on a punt and cause a fumble. Yeah. Like, they have they do a good job of finding the the support for this team. All right, we have learned a lot about this team all season long. They've learned a lot about themselves. Let's see if they can be rewarded with a trip to the postseason. They're going to need a win over the Rams. They're also going to need a Packers loss. Uh, that Packers game is going to be Sunday night, so you guys are staying tuned all day long, and that begins with this kickoff against the Rams on Sunday. You can hear Michael Bumpus on the pregame show, Dave Wyman on the call with Rabes. This has been The Huddle. We will be back next Thursday.